I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Well, hello there. I only like you with the name of the show. <laughs> I'm Lonnie. This is Sanae. Hello. We're boyfriend and girlfriend. We like to get together every week, record a podcast, talk about people we don't like, and a movie we do like. Yeah. Yeah, that is, that is what we do. So, no, that's a good way to sum it up. Yeah, thanks. Um, this week we've seen Finding Dory, which is a really good movie. Which we've only waited 13 years to see. Well, I'll bring that up later. Have we waited to see this movie or has it just happened and we're going to go see it because it's been made? Okay, party pooper, no, who not. hates joy in children's movies. Don't say that. Let's, why don't we all just go worship Satan in our spare time and wear black and just be miserable and listen to gothic music? Is gothic music a thing? <laughs> what I mean is where we all hanging out for the sequel to Finding Nemo. Yes. You are? Okay, good. I wasn't, but that's fine. I enjoy the movie and it's good. Hmm. What do you, what's wrong? Nothing. You just hate joy and all fun things. That's not Probably true. hate puppies and rainbows as well. I love puppies. And rainbows? They're okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get on to that some more later. First thing this week, we've been annoyed by Brexit. Yeah. So for those who don't know, it's the Britain's vote to leave the EU, which you're probably thinking two people live in um, Brisbane, Australia, what's it really matter to you? And I suppose it doesn't really, it's not going to affect our day-to-day life, probably. No, but, but it could affect decisions that we make in the future, such as our plan to go and live and work in the UK with the idea of having easy travel to Europe and also I think it affects us as part of the Commonwealth. Yeah, potentially. What's annoyed me most about it is the sort of campaign that was run and the sort of people who won mm. now, who I don't think are the sort of people who should be in charge of countries, and that is reactionaries, people who, for want of a better word or term, aren't very nice to other people of other skin colours. Racist? <laughs> you can say the word racist. I know, well... I'm not sure if it is right. It's anti-migrant sort of stuff. That's that's what's annoyed me. It's pro-Caucasian. It's Britain first, other yeah. countries last. Yeah. You know, that's what they've been. It's been about, and I don't like how that can impact on us here in Australia and our our sort of um, country. I guess maybe you don't like the example that it's setting for the rest of the world as well. No, not at all. Um, you know, we've had our fair share of um, extremely far right politicians in Australia um, who've done quite well, unfortunately, and some are still doing quite well. Um, I don't know. I just don't like that. I don't, I don't think you get very far in life by being um, so conservative. Well, it's leadership 
based on hatred and fear, isn't it? It is, yeah. Rather than progress and change and acceptance. Yeah. Which I guess we'd say we're both pretty left-wing people. Yeah, pretty progressive. Um, That's, you know, that's, if you look at history, that's where history comes from, you know, progression. Obviously we think our side is right because we're on that side. Yeah, definitely. Um, So we are biased with our opinions obviously yeah but like we're, we're putting out there that we are biased we're not trying to yeah no that, so, yeah. absolutely i'm not the most well informed with all the happenings of brexit so that's why i've been instead of posting my own thoughts on twitter or facebook i've retweeted a lot of people's thoughts on twitter who've made quite eloquent um comments i guess on on the happenings and what it means and you know i i honestly didn't really see this coming like I thought oh yeah they're gonna have a vote but it'll be all right you know Mm. there's always things like this in the world where you think bad things are gonna happen but you hope that common sense prevails and love and acceptance prevails and unfortunately it hasn't at this time and it's quite sad that what is essentially a race issue has been warped into something that it's not in order to convince people to vote a certain way when at the heart of it, it's that we don't like people that are different from us. We're afraid of the other. Yeah, that's it. It's it's um, a real other issue. And t- to be fair, in um, Britain, it's not um, automatically a, a black versus white sort of thing. A lot of them don't like Europe in general, so it's not just the brown parts mm. of the world that don't like it. It's, it's um, nationalism, so it's nativism is a term I've, I've heard this week about it all. Mm. So that's our country first of any other country. So to be fair, it's not necessarily just other black countries that are like or no. brown countries, but that's, you know, that's where it comes from, especially the refugee issue in Europe at the moment. That's where a lot of it's come from. So yeah. that's, that's a fair enough comment. An interesting thing that you said, which I've also seen go around the internet, is that Britain spent so long invading other countries and trying to have as much land and, you know, power as they could and now all of a sudden they're like, oh, no, no, we'll just be on our own in our own little island. We want nothing else to do with you. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> well, I, I don't think that's how you progress as a nation is to lock yourselves off from everybody else. I think that's a scary thought that's, that's happening over there. I just yeah. think it's really sad that if they're if part of the reason why they want to leave is financially they don't want to be dragged down by, like, Greece, the financial crisis that happened there, mm. how sad that you don't want to help other people that are in less fortunate positions than you. Like there's lots of problems going on in the world and we're not all the wealthiest nations and we all have problems and everything, but Australia and Britain, we're doing okay compared to some places, you know. We can't afford to help some people. Well, but they do get help from the EU, a lot of the places in in Great Britain. Mm. You know, they get funding from the EU by being part of it, which they won't get from now, from now on. It's like what you said, I feel like the people who were in charge of the Leave campaign didn't actually think it was ever going to happen and now they've got to scramble mm-hmm. to find a plan mm-hmm. to well, somehow put some yeah. sort of plan into place. There hasn't been a plan, you know. Yeah. They just wanted to leave and now they're leaving and now no one really knows what's how it's going to happen, you know. The saddest thing I think about all this is that there have been lies that have been spread by the Leave side yeah, so both sides have probably exaggerated the truth, but yeah. there are several lies that they've gone back on already, you know, <laughs> like the $350 million in the NHS, gone. I think which, what annoys me, though, is that the people who have voted didn't take the time to inform themselves 
of what exactly the choice that they were making meant. Yeah, so apparently, um, I don't know, the, the biggest search term since it's happened over the weekend has been, what does this mean? That's what those people have been Googling. What What is the EU? What is the EU? What will happen now we've left? Mm. So, like I said, even if um, they were voting to leave or voting to stay, they didn't know. They didn't know what they were voting for. <laughs> they didn't understand it. I think they should have taken some time. And, and, and I, I'm, people would have, lots of people would have. And yeah, whatever, yeah. But it's not a good sign, is it? Over the last few days, there's been stories come out with people saying, oh, I didn't actually think my vote would count. I didn't actually think we were going to leave, you know, and being like after seeing the dramatic decrease in the value of the pound. The Prime Minister left. People saying, oh, I would have voted differently if I thought this was going to happen. Well, what did you think was going to happen? Yeah. Honestly, I just feel really frustrated that I feel like these voters didn't even consider the power of their vote. It's a referendum. Of course your vote's important in a yes or no question. Yeah, there's, well, like I said, there are some elections where perhaps your vote won't be counted because it's you're in, in that sort of electorate or whatever. Mm. But this is a yes or no vote across the whole country. It's going yeah. to count. Yeah, I crazy. feel really frustrated as a young person as well because we found out 75% of young people in Britain voted Remain. Is that correct? Yeah, of those who voted Voted of, to of, stay. of the young people who voted, most of them voted to stay. Mm. But I did say it's like I think only thirty percent of all young people voted, though. So yeah, you know, if they got off the couch and gone and voted, perhaps the, it would have been different. But, That's why but I think referendums should be um, compulsory. More compulsory, yeah. So I've seen that argument actually. Like if well, if, if young people were so worried, they should have gone and voted, right? Mm-hmm. But that doesn't make it any better that the, no. the, the older people have voted to leave and, you know, it's not going to affect their whole life like it will these young people who... I read it's really sad because people's aunts, uncles, parents, grandparents are making a decision without listening to their younger generation's point of view Mm -hmm. and their thoughts and feelings about it. I feel quite Mm -hmm. sad that Mm -hmm. there's almost going to be a whole generation here who are going to have to yet again fix the mistakes of their parents, you know, which we're our generation are kind of dealing with now with climate change and... Things mm-hmm. like that, we're being dealt this leftover problem, and they're going to be the same, having got a leftover problem about the country's mm-hmm. well-being based on yeah. their parents and grandparents. They've ruined the climate. They ruined the housing market. They got free education. A lot of them to go to university. Mm-hmm. All the things that they've taken away from the younger generations are things they benefited from. It's really interesting, isn't it? This. This notion of I'm doing well, so therefore I need to keep all of my my good luck and my wealth to myself mm-hmm. and not help anyone else mm-hmm. because there's a fear there that that's going to be taken away or I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what it is. You know, people, in, even in Australia, people who have benefited from free tertiary education now want to make that not free mm-hmm. for new generations. It's yeah. a real sense of entitlement there. They're pulling the ladder up behind them. Yeah. yeah. That's the phrase yeah. people use about it. It's very, very sad. Um, so, look, it, it's very early days with Brexit and perhaps it's not all doom and gloom um, how it appears right now. But um, And I'm sure Britain will be fine in the end. I think it's mm. that sort of country. But 
It is a real blow, and it's such a close vote. It could have gone the other way easily, you know, we could be celebrating. Well, it was 48 to 52%. Yeah, I so agree that's with not what, much. what you were saying, maybe it should have been a two-thirds thing to get yeah. it overwhelmingly one mm-hmm. way or the other, you know. But that, I think it goes back, the vote be- began as just um, just to quieten down some crazy people on the backbench. Yeah. They never thought it would get this far, no. but it has, and, you know, they lost the Prime Minister they might have lost Northern Ireland and Scotland. Mm. They might have broken up the EU and the UK at the same time. It's crazy. It's crazy. really interesting being in the moment with something like this when you yeah. know it's a part of history yeah, as living well. living history right now. Which okay. is really, it feels really weird, really strange. People are like, mm. this is going to be in textbooks and in people are going to yeah. be talking about this event for a long, long I think, time. Yeah, our, you know, younger generations from us will be asking about what, what, what were we doing what when were this doing? happened? Yeah. yeah. We'll remember. It just feels real. It feels quite um, unreal at the moment, mm. quite surreal that something like this can happen and that it'd be in, it's going to be interesting to see what the flow-on effect is, but yeah, so. I hope this doesn't start a wave of severe right-wing conservatism yeah. in the world, which it seems mm-hmm. is already happening because I don't know what, good things come out of fear and hate and fear is such a powerful emotion and obviously it's worked to their benefit because they got the outcome from this referendum that they wanted but I just feel really sad that we can't all be more accepting and tolerant of each other and find solutions and work together we just want to it's real knee-jerk reaction stuff like you said earlier really like something goes wrong so we have to fix it immediately we have to leave immediately we have to do this immediately you know there's no there's no time to consider it. There's no rationality. There's no, I don't know, there's no thought process in it. It's really radical emotional decisions made seemingly in the heat of the moment. Well, I think I think you're better off being part of the conversation and trying to fix it rather than just leaving altogether. You know, so their big problem with Europe, they could have stayed and sorted out together. They haven't got, they've lost their, their vote now. They've lost their voice in the conversation see that's the thing and you can't go back with this which i think a lot of them didn't really understand you can't just say oh sorry we made a mistake we actually really want to stay Mm -hmm. it's done the decision's made especially if it leads to other countries leaving too and the whole thing could be could be gone look anyway i i I really hope that there's some solution and it's not um you know the end of the world but which i'm sure it won't be but you know i hope it doesn't have too bad Mm. too negative um implications in terms of just quickly there's an election coming up in australia in the next couple of weeks and i think it's so important to educate yourself on what all the parties are doing and what that all means and not just believe what everyone says on tv or in the papers or anything and not take for granted what media are presenting to you Mm -hmm. because no matter what your vote is no matter what it is and no matter whether it's a referendum to leave the eu or whether or not to vote in labor or liberal for example yeah it's so important understanding what you're voting for. That's I just don't understand. People take at face value all of this manipulative press and media and it's about who can um, play the press the best and who can be more charismatic and get their point across. And people just take that at face value and not don't investigate that further and... I just think that's a real worry if we're that disengaged from the future of our countries that we're not even interested in finding out 
what our say is going to achieve, then it's kind of sad, isn't it? Yeah, especially when so many people around the world can't vote, you know, and then people in this country and other countries choose not to vote. It seems wrong. It does. Anyway, I, I'm, I'm not upset that... Uh, I guess I'm upset they made this decision, but I'm more upset about how it was done and what it means for those who, who won living in the post-truth world, as I read the other day. Facts don't matter anymore, mm. which is what you were just saying. You should try and find the facts even if it's mm. it's hard. Well, that's got me a bit down, so why don't we move on to something even better, Finding Dory. You seem to like it. I loved it. I really loved it. I love Pixar movies. I think mm. Pixar rarely puts a foot wrong. What's your favourite Pixar movie? Probably Up. Inside Out? Oh, Inside Out's Oh. Okay. <laughs> Incredibles. Oh, don't. Okay, you See, like, they're all they're great. All <laughs> um, I am going to say that I enjoyed Finding Dory as much as the original. Okay. What do you think? Were they on par for you? Um, I think I liked Nemo better. Because, mm-hmm. like I was saying before, I think people were watching the end of Finding Nemo like, oh, what, what happened next? What's happening next? Yeah. Or where'd this Dory character come from? It's fine, the movie's come out and it's a really good addition. It hasn't ruined the first movie or anything like that. I just don't know if there was that desire to watch. I understand what, was what you're saying and I do share your opinion. There seems to be a real, people have a real need for sequels mm. instead of just letting the original be as it was and starting a new story. It wasn't like Nemo End on a Cliffhanger. Well, no. <laughs> no, it didn't. No. <laughs> but it, no, it is a welcome addition. It is, know. yeah. And. I know Pixar's got a bit of um, flack recently for just going and remake or doing sequels to other movies, mm. but um, which you know like low hanging fruit sort of thing. But you know Pixar, generally they're doing all right with their movies, aren't they? So yeah, I trust them. They were, it maybe quite wasn't as strong as the original, in terms of plot. I wouldn't say. Well, I think I, I mentioned to you as we were leaving. I didn't think the um, I don't know the the B story was as good. It was so like in the first one, you've got um, Nemo's story when he's captured and he's in the fish tank, and you've got Marlin and Dory's story trying to find him, and they're both really strong and they're both really character developing stories. Yeah. In this one, you've got Dory's story, and not much else really happening. That's really that strong. Yeah. You know what I mean? I agree with that. Yeah. So Dory's it's still her her character arc was great. It's really interesting, and and, uh, Mm. at moments it's really um, heart wrenching, but. I know it felt a bit slight for me in that in that sense. Fair enough. I think there were maybe one too many coincidences in this movie. Mm-hmm. I had a writing teacher once who told me you should always limit your coincidences in your writing. Things don't just happen for no reason. Mm. Um, I've heard that you can a coincidence is a good start but not a good ending. Yeah, so. and I feel like if you have too many coincidences in your films, your audience feels shortchanged yeah it's a bit lazy sometimes it is but like you know sometimes it happens in real life too but it does i'm just think it's a bit i don't know i feel a bit um disappointed i guess when things happen a bit too easily for the characters and you kind of want to see them work towards something and achieve something not just have it magically be solved sure um which i felt there was a little bit of that in this movie but i understand that visually it's beautiful absolutely beautiful they work so hard on the water effects, don't they? Oh, they're just, it's so... It must be so difficult. It must be. <laughs> I, yeah. I can't imagine being an animator. Mm-hmm. But there are some um, scenes that take place in kind of like a 
uh, what would you say? Like an aquarium. Like an aquarium, like a SeaWorld kind of. Kind of like a SeaWorld amusement sort of park thing. sort of thing. So giant aquarium, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and there are some beautiful like glowing water effects mm. and it just all of the fish and it's just it's really lovely to look at, which I think Pixar does really well, lots of beautiful yeah, colours and sure beautiful are. frame composition and things like that. Speaking of which, the short before the movie, Pixar normally have short films that they show before their features. Mm-hmm. Which I think is great. I think every studio should do that. I yeah, I love it. I think it's amazing. You're back, you know, you're back in our parents' day, fifty cents. You go to the cinema, <laughs> you get two cartoons, a short, two double feature. Bang for your buck, hey! <laughs> <laughs> now you're lucky if you can get popcorn yeah, for under twenty $10. bucks for one movie yeah. and, and half an hour of ads. Yeah, it's true. Um, but the on. short film. Piper. The, sh- the short film was called Piper, and it was about a little. What are those birds called? The ones with the really long beaks who live on the seafront. Seagull? No, no, no. They're not seagulls. The ones who like bury in yeah, and get the pippies like and things. They're like that though, yeah. I yeah. Know what you mean. yeah. And it was just something that we hadn't seen before. No dialogue because it was about a bird. And it's just such a great example of storytelling without needing any words, mm. like visual storytelling and the visual effects of like the fur. And you were even saying it was filmed quite realistically. Yeah, so... Um, like it's like a tide going in and out very often, but it felt like the camera was right there and it was like searching at certain points and zooming in and out and whatever. It felt like the action, you know, sometimes animated movies, they're, they're made as if they're drawn, mm. which is fine because that's what they are and that's where they've come from. But this one felt like it was filmed, you know what I mean? Like an actual camera was there I capturing agree. this happening. They were really realistic um, mm. animation, but not, what's that phrase where it's a bit too real, it creeps you out? Oh, yeah, I know what you mean. Was, Uncanny Valley, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, Uncanny Valley. Yeah. It yeah. wasn't that. It was realistic, but you still knew it was animated. But they were just kind of like how um, Tangled did for hair animation mm. and mm-hmm. Monsters, Inc. did for fur animation and Nemo mm. did for water. This sort of had a, a something about it, I don't know, that felt mm. really new and fresh. and didn't look like a cartoon, did it? No. Yeah. It, it's probably one of my favorite shorts actually mm. of pixar short films and they're all wonderful yeah definitely no i wish more people would do more studios would do short films at the beginning it's such a good thing for young filmmakers you know to give them a short to do yeah and get it out there i don't think people would mind watching a short before a movie as well they get an actually extra i would ra- much rather watch a short before a movie than half an hour of ads yeah. about ads that i can see at home on my tv I know. And not even trailers these days. I, I, I like watching trailers, but like mm. only like three or two or three of them. I know, yeah. But I agree with you. It would be cool to have like maybe some younger members of the studio to mm. work on a short film and. Yeah, just like five or ten minute shorts. You can't yeah. imagine it would cost them very much to do. Well, I think it'd be in their benefit. The, the issue would be that there wouldn't be much financial return. Is why yeah, I guess that yeah. hasn't happened. Yeah, I think it'd be a good idea, but. Studios, listen to us. (laughs) We will be your business advisors. (laughs) Something else I really liked about Dory was the, well, with all Pixar movies, there's definitely humour in there for the adults as well as Mm. the kids. Yeah, they do that well. And this was no exception. It had really nice, I don't know, inside jokes for the adults, which... It's even weirder than that is going back and watching movies when, from when you were a kid and finding all the adults. I know, adult all this stuff that went over your head that you had no idea that that was a mm. sex joke or that that was something <laughs> and you're like, whoa, what is happening? Crazy, isn't it? But I, th- I guess it must be quite nice for parents who are taking their little kids to actually enjoy a movie for themselves yeah. as well, you know. There's lots of mindless kids' entertainment. It might be nice to 
That little cutie got scared. Oh, there was a little girl who, um, when she was waiting for the movie, kept yelling out, Dory, Dory, because she was so excited. And there's one scene where um, an octopus kind of jumps up at the screen and she screamed the poor thing and started crying. crying. She was really scared, but I think she liked it in the end. She seemed to perk up. So, What are we going to do with our kids, if we have kids eventually, and they want to watch the same movie over and over? And it's like they want to watch Frozen, you know, Ten times a day. I think that's just one of the sacrifices you make as a parent, isn't it? Can I make them watch good movies instead? Frozen is a good movie. It is. No, like, I just, you know, let's watch some Citizen Kane as well. Well, how old are we talking? I don't think you can show your four-year-old <laughs> Citizen Kane. They'd enjoy it. You reckon? You reckon they'd really understand My it? My kid would. Because <laughs> your kid would be intellectually superior to all other kids. <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> I think maybe something that we'll find out when we have kids is that there's not much negotiation. When they want to watch something, they just get to watch it. I guess. It's all about that cat, Sam. He gets what he wants. He does. Look, we're, we're already like this with the cat. What are we going to be <laughs> like with kids? <laughs> What's Sam's favorite show? He loves Vampire Diaries. He's a Vampire Diaries fan. He's a Damon He's fan. He's a Damon fan. Controversial because I'm a Stefan fan. He's a Delana person. I hate ship names. Well, you hate Sam. No? <laughs> I do not. I am a Tyler spin-off. Tyler's got his own spin-off, just him. Lonnie just wants a show just with Tyler and no That's one else. Boy. That's boy. No, and Elijah. I love Elijah. <gasps> you don't love Elijah? You love Elijah. Get out. How do you not love Elijah? He's the best character. He's the second best character. All I want is Elijah, Stefan, <laughs> Caroline and Klaus as an item. Yeah. And is that all we like? We hate Matt. everyone else. Oh, Matt. Matty Blue Eyes. Matt's going to die. Matt's going to die a very slow, painful death. Like, um, Larek, too. Yeah, we do like Rick. I feel like this has turned more into a vampire diaries <laughs> podcast now rather than One day. anything about Finding Dory. Anyway. That about wraps us up, I think, for yeah. this episode. Thank you very much for listening. Yeah, thank you. We'll be back some point at some point in the future don't worry we'll be annoyed by something <laughs> i'm sure we'll find something to complain about oh, all right then bye bye hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com 